Thankfulness is not an occasional act. It's a lifestyle of intentional and spontaneous appreciation that leads us to the presence of God, powers us to be grateful in all of our circumstances. We're going to see tonight as it generates within us an overflow of generosity. A heart of gratitude leads to generous giving. Here's the big idea of tonight's message. Generosity is gratitude in action. Now, when you think of Thanksgiving, let's just stop for a minute and think about the different actions that we think about when we think about Thanksgiving, all right? So I've, I've put together some ideas. Traveling. Uh, Thanksgiving is one of the busiest travel holidays of the year, right? People are traveling to go home, to, to be with family. Uh, even if it's just across town, even if it's just, you know, across the street, for many, they get on a plane and they fly somewhere to be with their family. So there's the action of traveling. Then there's the action of gathering, right? We travel to gather. We, we get together as families. And it's one of the, the precious things about holidays because oftentimes our families are so fragmented. And I always enjoy opportunity to get together, have family in town, and to spend time together. So there's traveling, there's gathering. What other actions do we think about when we think about Thanksgiving? Eating, of course. Yeah, I mean, we, we cooked two turkeys. We cleaned it off. I mean, it's all the turkeys gone. I mean, we, we enjoy getting together, eating turkey, having mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie. Yeah, eating is a part of our gathering. And then there is the action of entertaining. Uh, did anybody watch the Macy's Day Parade or a football game? Maybe you got together with your family and you played games. Maybe you watched a Christmas movie. And then, of course, there is shopping. I mean, shopping now, it used to be you had to wait until 6 a.m. On, on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Now it's like a week long of Black Friday shopping. I mean, you can shop on Thanksgiving and, of course, all weekend People finish their dinner, and it's, it's off to the races. Hopefully, the last action that we think about when it comes to Thanksgiving is appreciating. Taking some time to reflect and to appreciate what God has done. That's the whole essence of what Thanksgiving is all about, appreciating. Did you spend some time reflecting on the goodness of God in your life, being grateful for your family and for what you have, of course? Well, tonight, we're, we're going to see an action that I think is often overlooked when it comes to thanksgiving or thanksgiving, as we called it last week. What is that action? Well, that action is giving. And what we're going to see is that as we cultivate grateful hearts for God's grace and provision and presence in our lives, the natural overflow of our lives ought to be generosity, generosity. And what we're going to see tonight is that grateful hearts prompt generous hands. Grateful hearts prompt generous hands. So tonight, if you're there, Exodus chapter 35 and chapter 36 is where we're going to park. And we're not going to take the time to read all of these verses. There's a lot here. And I encourage you to go back and read them. I'm going to give you the, the essence of what these chapters are about and, and, and high, make some highlights from it. Uh, for this message, but in Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 through 9, and the, the verses are here on the screen, 
um, it initiates the fulfillment of what the Lord had previously told Moses. This is back in chapter 25 and verse 8. When, when God said that he wanted his people to make him a sanctuary in the wilderness that he could dwell in their midst. God wanted a place to dwell among his people. Before that could happen, before the sanctuary could be built, the materials to build this tabernacle needed to be collected. And so what does Moses do? Well, Moses calls on God's people in verse 5 here on the screen, and he says, take up an offering among you for the Lord. And then Moses goes on and he provides a list of the materials that are going to be needed. This is uh, verses 5 through 9. What were the, the materials? You'll see them there on the screen. Gold and silver and bronze, purple, a uh, blue and purple and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ramskin dyed red and fine leather, a kale wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant, fragrant incense, and onyx with gemstones. This is the list that God gave to Moses. This is the list that, that, that Moses asked the people to give. And so what we're going to see tonight from this passage, the first thing I want us to see is the supply of thanksgiving. And here's the truth. It's on the screen. Anything you give to God, he has first given to you. Now, let's just stop and think about who is Moses talking to here? He's just given this list, gold and silver and all these precious stones and all this fancy yarn. Who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to a bunch of former slaves. These people had just spent couple hundred years in slavery and captivity in Egypt. What did they have? <laughs> Where were they going to come up with this stuff? This is, this is quite a shopping list for a bunch of former slaves in the midst of, they're in the wilderness, right? They're not sitting in downtown Phoenix where they could, okay, well, let's go shopping, all right? They are sitting in the mil- middle of the wilderness, where are they going to get it all? Uh, by the way, that reminds me that, you know, Christmas shopping has started, right? And, and of course, uh, where are you going to get all the money that you need for your Christmas shopping, right? I, I need some money for Christmas shopping. I've got a big list. I've got a lot of kids, and, and uh, now we have a grandson. And so, man, we're gonna, we need a lot of money to, to buy presents for all of our family. And we, we like to do that, and we want to do that. In fact, I think I need several hundred dollars. So I'm just wondering tonight, if some of you in here tonight, maybe you got a hundred dollars that you would, you would give me. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Mike. Look at that. Thanks. Why did I, why have I never thought of this before? Right? That's 300 big ones right there. I just had to ask, you know, hey, I need some money for Christmas shopping. Kids, we have 300 bucks, right? 100 bucks for each of you right over there for Christmas shopping. And you're probably sitting there wondering, what just happened? What, what's going on? What, how, how did that just go down here? Would you like for me to tell you how that just went down? Let me tell you how that was so easy. I gave them, before the service, I walked up to them and I said, here's a hundred bucks. When I ask you for it, give it to me. <laughs> That's where they got it from. I already gave it to them. 
Now, folks, let me tell you something. Everything that we have to give to God, God has already given to us. Everything that we have, right? I mean, isn't this what the Bible says? David said, everything comes from you, David says in a prayer. We have given you only what comes from your hand. This is 1 Chronicles 29, if you want to mark that in your Bible. It's like, we only give to you what has already come from your hand. David says in Psalm 24, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. The Lord says, all the earth is mine. The creator of all things says, it's all mine. But in his grace and in his goodness, church, he has chosen to share with us, to give to us, to share the abundance with us. We are guests on his planet, and we are stewards of everything that he has given us to enjoy and also to employ, right, to use for his goodness and for his glory. So let me ask you a question. If a man makes... $300, $300, how much of it belongs to God? $30? You know, some would say, well, $30, Pastor Dave, it's a tithe. I mean, everybody knows that, that the tithe belongs to the Lord. And I heard correctly the, the correct answer across the room. It all belongs to the Lord. All 300 of it belongs to him. Church, what we own, what we call our own comes from God. Our achievements, our possessions, it all comes from God. We don't achieve these things on our own. We don't earn these things on our own. It's all because of the grace of God and only because of him that we have all of these things. So let's not forget to thank him, church. Amen? To give him Everything that is rightfully his. Why? God never asks anything of you that he's not already given to you. Anything you give to him, he's already given to you. Do you think that God would put these people out in the middle of the wilderness? Do you think that he would then ask them for this bucket list, this shopping list of gold and silver and all this stuff, if he hadn't somehow provided something for them, if he didn't know that they already had it? Of course not. He knew that they had it. Everything on Moses' shopping list, God had already given to them. How? Well, God had helped them to spoil the Egyptians on their way out of Egypt. They so badly wanted them to leave. This is after the 10th plague. Remember the death of the firstborn. And they so badly wanted them to leave that they're like, take whatever you want. (laughs) Get out of town. And they loaded them up with gold and silver jewelry, right? I mean, take whatever you want. You see, listen, where God guides, how's it go? God provides. Where God guides, God provides. You know, as I reflect back on the past 20 years of my life in ministry, I can testify to this truth. I believe, I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in my family. I've seen this in our church. Where God guides, God provides. In church, we as a, as a little church, we have seen God do amazing things, provide 
in miraculous ways, right? Many of you have, you've, you've had a front row seat to this. You've seen God take our little and make it, boy, I'm gonna keep tripping over that, uh, and make it much. It, it's amazing to me what God has done for us. That is all, that's, that's from God's hand. Where God guides, God provides. So God knew what Israel was gonna need to build the tabernacle before they did. And so when he told Moses to take up an offering, he knew what they already had, right? He knew they already had it. Why? Because he had already generously given it to them. So that's the supply of thanksgiving. Number two, the spirit of thanksgiving. Here's the truth. Generosity flows from a willing heart in response to God's grace. Well, Moses clarifies the the type of the contribution that Israel is asked to give. He says this in verse number five. Moses tells them, let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord's offering. Notice those words, heart is willing. Those three words uh, together are two Hebrew words. And together, they mean something like freely, a freely giving heart. A freely giving heart. The word willing there translated means pertaining to being, to being voluntary, uncoerced, And it's implying generosity. So Moses is inviting them to be generous. Everyone who has a generous heart to give. It's not mandated. It's not coerced. Uh, at this time, there was no law in Israel about giving. Uh, that would come a, a short time later. But at this point, they're just simply to call to give freely as w- they were moved in their heart. And we find that four or five times as you read chapter 35. Four or five times it says, you'll see it, moved in their heart, prompted in their spirit. Uh, however God moved them. And the people responded to the invitation. This is verse 20. Verse 20. I don't think I have those verses up there. You'll have to look in your Bible for these. But in verse number 20, it says, Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Verse 21, Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle, for all its services and for the holy garments. Verse 22, both men and women came, all who had willing hearts brought brooches and earrings and rings and necklaces and all kinds of gold jewelry. Everyone who presented a presentation offering of gold to the Lord. Everyone who possessed blue and purple or scarlet yarn and fine linen or goat hair, ramskin, dyed red or fine leather, brought them. Everyone making an offering of silver or bronze brought it as a contribution to the Lord. Everyone who possessed a kale wood, useful for any task in the work, brought it. Every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it, blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. You see what's going on here? Do you you hear it resounding over and over? Verse 29, so the Israelites brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts prompted them (coughs) to bring something for all the work that the Lord, through Moses, had commanded to be done. So what are we seeing? 
we're seeing that Israel's willingness to give was the outflow of what? A thankful heart. Their generosity was an outflow of their grateful heart. Notice this little illustration here on the screen. This is a picture of what we're seeing here in Exodus 35 and 36. And we see this throughout the scripture. Uh, we'll see it in a moment in 2 Corinthians. You see it in the book of Philippians. Um, we see this reality that, that grace prompts gratitude and gratitude that's based on when it's, when it's rooted in a gratitude for God's grace. It always leads us to be generous. Why? Because gratitude is all about remem- choosing to remember the gift of God's grace. When, when we remember, think about what, what is grace? I mean, it's, it's undeserved. It's God's favor and blessing. If Church, if we got what we deserved, yeah, exactly what Gary said, we would be in trouble. We would be in trouble. If we got what we deserved, We'd get hell. That's what we'd get. We'd get immediate judgment, right? I mean, condemned for forever in a lake of fire. I mean, that's what we would get if we got what we deserve. But when we consider the grace of God, when we consider what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, when we forgive, con- consider the, the forgiveness of God and, and, and the home that he's given us in heaven, and then we, 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 we take all of that, we, we consider all that he's done in giving us not only eternal life, but abundant life here and now, living right now on this planet, right, under these blue skies. I mean, God has blessed us by his grace and his goodness over and over and over and over again. We couldn't count all of our blessings, could we? Could we count them all? I don't know that we could. We'd spend the rest of our life trying to do it. Why? Because God is so gracious. Gratitude is simply acknowledging that God's gift is much brighter. It's much better than anything that I have ever deserved. So what's generosity? Generosity is gratitude in action, right? When we recognize the grace of God, it will call, when we truly reflect on, recognize what God has done and what we actually deserve and not deserve, then, we, then it's going to create this generosity, excuse me, this gratitude in our heart that will then implore us, prompt us to be as gracious and as generous as God has been to us for that to go outward. Thanksgiving is an active response to the goodness and grace of God. While writing to the church at Corinth, Paul described how though desperately poor, <coughs> the Macedonian church. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like to and, and kind of glance down through chapters 8 and 9. I'd encourage you to, to study those chapters out. In chapter 8, Paul begins by uh, telling the, the Corinthian, church, Corinthian churches how the believers in Macedonia were dirt poor. They were extremely poor. Like, what he basically says is, they gave well beyond what they actually had the power to give. These people were so poor because of the, the persecution they were under, they, they didn't have two nickels to rub together, and somehow they found a way to give, and they did so generously. They actually told Paul, like, no, we want to give. Paul's like, 
Okay, and they're like, yeah, you, we want to have a part in this. We want to give, and they did so generously. Why? They understood the grace of God in their own life, and when we understand the grace of God in our own life, we don't have to be co- coerced, right? We, we don't have to have our arms twisted. But like the believers in Macedonia, the Macedonian church, we just deeply desire to be gracious. It's not a matter of I have to. It's a matter of I get to. Like, God has been so good and gracious, and he's provided so well. I get to have a part. And that's what Paul's saying. It's a matter of being willing in your heart. And so in 2 Corinthians 8, 11, he says this of, in, in, in that context. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what has, not according to what one does not have. Meaning this, generosity doesn't begin in the wallet. It begins in the heart. It begins in the heart. Hey, if your heart has been changed by Jesus, if you see him, you've seen him working in your life, then there should be an eager willingness to be generous to the work of the Lord. I think this is why Jesus pointed out in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what's it mean? It means that the greatest sign of a changed heart is a generous heart. That's one of the greatest signs that there is a change that has happened in your heart. So generosity doesn't start with just opening the pocketbook. It starts with an open heart and a deep connection with God. And that makes so much sense because God is generous. It goes back to his grace, right? When we have a deep connection with God who's generous, we become more like him. We reflect his goodness and his generosity we reflect it ourselves. It's interesting, as you look at the context here, uh, that the, the generosity of the Israelites was expressed in giving not just their treasure, but also their talents and their time. You'll pick up on that in verse 30, uh, chapter 35. Maybe you picked up on it as I read verses 20 to 29, that the, some of the women, they, they spun. If you read earlier in the passage, the skill, those with the skills to take these materials and to begin forming all the articles that were needed in the tabernacle and, and to weave all the curtain tree and, and all of the, the articles that would have to be done, that they, that they not only gave generously of their resources, but they gave of their time and they used their talents for this entire work. And so living generously doesn't only apply to our finances, it really applies to every area of our life, church. Every area of our life. Our words, what we say, be generous with your words. Kind kind and loving words, right? Don't be generous with hateful words. Um, Hold those back, right? But but be generous with your words. The Bible says that, that words have the power of, of death and life, right? Our tongue has that power. We can be generous with our words. We can be, of course, generous with our time. We can support others uh, generously in, in how we use our talents. You know, what, what is your talent? Well, be generous with uh, using those talents to help others who need help. So, this is what we find in the passage, and I, I just have to, as I, as I spent time thinking about this passage this week, I thought about all the times when the Israelites grumbled, you know, 
even before this, right? Complained at God like, oh, you brought us out here in the wilderness to kill us, you know? Where's the, we're thirsty. What gives here, Moses, right? They wanted to kill Moses at times. At times, they were everything that, they were the most miserable people on earth like we can be. But you know what? They found a way at times. They learned to trust God's provision with gratitude. And at times like these, they found themselves freely and willingly giving generously of what they have. What you do not give willingly, lovingly, and joyfully, God neither wants nor needs. Amen? This is what the New Testament says. Paul writes in that same context, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, he says each, per, each, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. So church, don't give reluctantly of your treasure. Don't give reluctantly of your time. Don't give reluctantly of your of your talent don't give grudgingly don't give out a compulsion because you have to because you know you heard the message on it you know this week but what does it say in that verse it says not reluctantly or out of compulsion since God loves what a cheerful giver give willingly give cheerfully that's the spirit of thanksgiving Let me show you, finally, the surplus of thanksgiving. Generous people often give more than they are asked to give. And this is what we find here. The people continue to bring free will offerings morning after after morning. The offering was, was taken, and they just kept, every day, they just kept bringing more offerings. It says in verse 4, Then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing. They said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work of the Lord that the the Lord commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order and set a proclamation throughout the camp, let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. You see what just happened there? Moses is like, okay, cut it out. Cut it out. We have enough there. So the people Verse, end of verse 6, so the people stopped, and the materials were sufficient for them to do all the work, and look what it says, there was more than enough. What an overflow of generosity. And the question is this, how does their enthusiasm for giving, how does their enthusiasm compare to your enthusiasm for giving. God challenges us to be generous because I believe one reason is because there is a surplus that he wants us to receive. They gave, they gave and gave and gave, and there is a surplus, and this is what we find throughout the scripture. Proverbs 22, a generous person will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. Paul writes in that same context in 2 Corinthians, he says the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. 
Jesus said this, Luke chapter 6, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You can't outgive God. They, they came, they brought their offerings, the tabernacle was built, and there were blessings that came to Israel for generations because of what they did in, in giving to see that tabernacle erected. They didn't outgive God. God continued to pr- provide for them day in and day out for 40 long years in the wilderness. The truth is, you don't have to be rich to be generous. It's not about the amount you give, it's about the willingness to give as much as you can. Remember the, the story that Jesus told about the widow who gave her two tiny coins. This is in uh, Mark chapter 12. Jesus says of her that she put more money into the treasury than all others. She gave two tiny coins. He said she gave more than anyone else, for they all gave out of their surplus, <coughs> but she gave out of her poverty because she put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Boy, that took some faith. That that was a sacrifice for her. She gave what she had. She gave all that she had. She gave, why? I think she just gave out of a gratefulness in her heart to the Lord. And so, we too, no matter what season of life that we're in, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, we can approach opportunities to give in the very same way. Our time, our talents, our treasures. I want to tell you a story uh, that I heard about, told by a woman by the name of uh, Edie Ogan. This goes way back. This is the Easter of of 1946. Her little sister's name was Osi. She was 12. Uh, her older sister was Darlene. She was 16. And, uh, and Edie was right in the middle at 14 years old. Times were tough for this family. Her dad died some five years earlier, and her mom, this is right in the, in the 40s, her mom struggled, so struggled, just to make ends meet, just to try to keep... Um, a roof over their head, and food on their table. Well, a month before Easter, her pastor asked the church to give a special Easter offering uh, to help a poor family in the church. And so he asked everyone to give sacrificially. And when they got home, uh, the girls got together with their mom, and, and they talked about what could they do, how could they have a part in giving generously and helping out this poor family. And what they decided was to buy a 50-pound bag of potatoes that they would live on for a month. And in doing so, they could take their $20 of groceries, that their, their $20 a lot. I mean, nowadays you can't go into a store with 20 bucks and buy, you know, two gallons of milk. It's not that bad yet, but... But $20 doesn't go very far. Back, this is 1946, okay? 20 bucks went pretty far back then, it sounds like. But that's what they decided to do. We're gonna buy, they bought 50 pounds of potatoes. They were going to eat potatoes all month long. They also decided 
that um, they would keep their electric lights turned out as much as they could at night to save money on their electric bill. And then they decided not to listen to the radio. That's, that's, what, that's what they did back then, right? They didn't have TVs. Or they listened to the radio. Did they have TVs back then, but they didn't own one? Is that how that worked? I don't even, see, I don't even know. But um, yes, yeah, so wouldn't listen to the radio, save some more money on the electric bill, also that they could pass the savings along to this poor family that needed it. Uh, the girls got jobs, they cleaned yards, they, they did babysitting, they even started a potholder business. Um, they bought cotton loops for 15 cents and they sold, uh, from which they, they made potholders, three potholders, and they could sell each potholder for a dollar. So by the end of the month, they had made $20 on potholders, and they said, this is the best month of our lives. They were so excited. Each day, they would count their money to see how much they had saved. At night, they'd sit around in the dark and talk about how that poor family was going to enjoy having the money uh, that the church would give them. And the church had about 80 people, so they figured that Whatever amount of money they had to give, the offering would surely be about 20 times uh, that amount. Uh, After all, every Sunday, the pastor asked everyone to save and to give generously. Well, the day before Easter, Eddie and her little sister, O.C., they walked to the grocery store with all of their change, and they asked for three crisp $20 bills and a $10 bill. They had $70 to put in the offering. They wouldn't have new clothes for Easter, but they didn't care. When they got up Easter morning, it was raining outside. They clearly didn't live in Phoenix. It was raining. They didn't have have an umbrella. They were too poor to have an umbrella. Darlene's feet got wet because the cardboard in her shoes came apart on their way. They walked about a mile in the rain to get to church, but it didn't seem to matter to them. They were just so cheerful, so happy that they were able to raise this money and to give this money for this poor family. They could hardly wait to get to church. They arrived, they're drenched, but they sat there cheerfully. They sang the song so cheerfully. Nothing was going to rob them of their joy. And they even overheard some teenagers in the back talking about their tattered old dresses. You know, everybody had new dresses on but their tattered old dresses, they didn't even care. Nothing could rob them of the joy of giving. Well, when the sacrificial offering was taken, mom put in the $10 bill, and each of the kids put in a $20 bill. As they walked home after church, they all sang all the way, the whole mile home. They just sang at lunch mom had a surprise for the kids she had bought a dozen eggs and she served them hard-boiled easter eggs with their fried potatoes and and uh, Edie said it was just a great day well late that afternoon the pastor drove up in his car he got out of his car and mrs smith went out to greet him and she returned when she returned she had an envelope in her hand You'll never guess what was in the envelope. Three crisp $20 bills, a crisp $10 bill, and 17 $1 bills. Edie said, 
we had gone from feeling like millionaires to feeling like poor white trash. She said, we kids had such a happy life that we felt sorry for anyone who didn't have our mom and dad for parents in a house full of brothers and sisters and other kids constantly visiting. We thought it was fun to share silverware and to see uh, uh, whether we got the spoon or the fork that night. We had two knives that we passed around to whoever needed it. What does that tell? They were grateful. They were just grateful for what they had. Even though they had so little, they were so grateful and they, they still had joy in their heart. Edie knew, Edie knew they, they didn't have a lot, but she never thought of her. She said she never thought of them as being poor. Well, the very next Sunday, back in church, they had a missionary speaker at the church. And the missionary talked about churches in Africa, uh, how they would make buildings out of sun-dried bricks, but they needed money to put the roofs on top of the buildings and that they could buy a roof for $100, we have $100, we can put a roof on a church. And so the pastor said, can't we all give to help? And, and the, the family, sitting in their row, they all looked each other at each other and they smiled. They knew what they were going to do. And so mom reached into her purse and she took out that envelope and she passed it down to Dar- Darlene and Darlene gave it to Edie and Edie handed it to O.C. and O.C. put it in the offering. And when the offering was counted, the pastor announced that it was a little over $100 and the missionary was so excited. He said he hadn't expected such a large offering from such a small church. You see, you don't have to be rich to be generous. They just gladly gave of what they had. And no matter what season of life or circumstance we find ourselves in tonight, let's approach the opportunities to give of our time and our treasure and our talents. Let's approach these opportunities to give out of an overflow of our gratitude for God's grace and goodness in our lives and choose to give generously. Here are your next steps and I'm done. Number one, number one, I will measure my gratitude not by how grateful I feel, but by how generously I give. See, sometimes we, because we feel grateful to God, we think that's what thanksgiving is really all about, a feeling of gratitude. When in reality, gratitude should prompt generosity where we reflect the grace and the generosity of God. So number two then is I will choose giving over accumulating, being generous with my treasures, talents, and time. Which next step do you need to take tonight? Could we pray together?